Kathy Davidson, and I would like you to join me from here at Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as I minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. My heavenly Father, I thank you. Father, let the power of my Lord be great. Grant us repentance. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. We're going to skip over some of our things just to get into the message because I believe it's a necessary and it's going to be a fun one. But if you will turn with me to 1 Peter 3, why we are here. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. I want to say something here. I was having a conversation with a young man, a friend of mine, last night, and he made a remarkable statement for somebody that this knew walking in the gospel. And he said, you know, I have come to see that the fastest way to walk with Jesus, to walk in this gospel, is to forgive. You're going to have to forgive. And that will loose you from some bondage. You're going to have to forgive. You say, but you don't know what he's done to me. You weren't put on the cross for somebody else's sin. That was an innocent man that went up there. And he went up there with your sin. And you know what? If you've got ears to hear and a heart to hear, not only were your sins on that body, but whatever that person did to you is on that body too. Get it up there. Get it off of you. Because the word says if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. God is not afraid of you. God is not impressed with you. God loves you. But if you won't forgive, he turns you over to the tormentors until you do. Forgive the husbands. Forgive the sons. Forgive the fathers. Forgive the mothers. Forgive the daughters. You've got to forgive. Forgive the co-workers. Forgive the ex-boyfriends. Forgive. Get it off of you. Now, it says, who adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of the plaiting of hair, of wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. I want to say this, the meek and a quiet spirit, folks, we're going to have to walk in the gospel. To get that meek and spirit, you're going to have to get the meek and quiet man in you, and you're going to have to use your faith, and you're going to have to walk in that gospel. There is no other way but by faith. It is impossible, impossible to please God except by faith. You can be in that church pew every time the door opens. You can cook dinner for the poor and the homeless. You can do all those works, and it will not please the Father, except it is by faith. Do you hear that? It takes effort, and I'm going to show you today 
how to. Oh, I wish I'd have heard this when I was in, in the denominational church. It has solved all my problems. Now, turn with me. We're going to skip John 10:35, that the Word of God cannot be broken. And you're going to see some of that today. What I want you to turn to is 2 Samuel 21. I'm going to begin in verse 1, and I want you to look at it. I want to show you something out of this. Chapter 21. And there was a famine in the day of David, three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is for Saul and for his bloody house, because he slew the Gibeonites. Do you mean to tell me that there's a reason for famine? Says it right here. You mean because it doesn't rain, there's a reason? Says it right here. And the king called the Gibeonites and said unto them, King David. Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but the remnant of the Amorites. And the children of Israel had sworn unto them. And Saul sought to slay them in his zeal to the children of Israel and Judah. Wherefore David said unto the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And wherewith shall I make the atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? What do I got to do to make you people happy? So it'll rain. So David's asking him, what do you need so I can make God happy? And the Gibeonites said unto David, We will have no silver nor gold of Saul, nor of his house. Neither for us shall thou kill any man in Israel. And he said, What you shall say, that will I do for you. And they answered the king, The man that consumed us and that devised against us that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the coasts of Israel. Let seven men of Saul's sons be delivered unto us, and we will hang them up unto the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord doth, did choose. And the king said, I will give them. The Gibeonites said, give us seven men of Saul's, and we'll kill them, and we'll hang them up. And you know what David said? You got them. Isn't that amazing? But the king spared Mephishet, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the king's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. But the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, whom she had borne unto Saul, Armoni and was it Mephibosheth, and the five sons of Michael. You know who Michael was? One of David's wives. One of David's wives that Saul had taken when David left, he took Michael and he gave her to another man. And she had five boys of this other man. And her husband, David, took her five boys and gave them to the Gibeonites to kill. Ladies, take a lesson from Michael. She's for your learning. Don't be messing with a man of God. And if your husband is a man of God, Leave them alone. God is perfectly capable of doing what he needs to do with them without our help. Now, five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai and Mohilathite. And he delivered them to the hands of the Gibeonites. And they hanged them in the hill before the Lord. And they fell all seven together and were put to death. In the days of harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of the barley harvest. Now skip down to verse 12. And David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabath-Gilead, which had stolen them from the street of Bethshen, where the Philistines had hanged them. 
when the Philistines had slain Saul in Geboah. And he brought them from thence, the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan his son, and they gathered the bones of them that were hanged. And the bones of Saul and Jonathan buried they in the country of Benjamin in Zelah in the sepulcher of Kish's father. And they performed all that the king commanded. And after that, after the seven men were killed, God was entreated for the land. You know what happened? It rained. Sin brought the no rain. And it took seven dead men for God to be entreated. And we look at that and we think how barbaric. How barbaric is our God? Where you are part of something even more barbaric. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. I'm going to begin in verse 4. Surely Jesus has borne our pains and carried our sicknesses. An innocent man was put on the cross. An innocent man had never done anything but healed. Never done anything but cast out people's devils. Never done anything but fed them and the poor. An innocent man was put on the cross. And that man it says here, surely he has borne our pains and carried our sicknesses. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Do you see our sicknesses, our diseases, our pain was put on that body. Our transgressions. Our iniquities, all our sin was put on an innocent man's body. The chastisement of our peace, the punishment to get our welfare, to get our prosperity, to get our safety, the punishment, the correction it would take to get that for you and I was put on that innocent man's body. You wonder why you can be prosperous because somebody paid dearly for it. You wonder why you can have safety from God because an innocent man paid dearly for it. And with his stripes, he took the scourge. And we're not talking about a simple marking up of the back. When I read a description back from the, I think it was 300 AD, they were still scourging Christians. And they said the scourging is so bad that you could see the intestines from the backside. That's a scourging. An innocent man took that scourging for you. How barbaric. How awful. How wonderful that a man would love you that much an innocent man, that he would take it. Turn with me to Acts 2. Acts 2, 23. Peter is speaking here to the Israelites just after they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to begin in verse 22. He says, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him, by God, in the midst of you. Who did the works? God did in Jesus. As you yourselves also know, him, Jesus, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. 
determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Who set Jesus up to go to the cross? The Father did. The Father did. The NIV says the deliberate plan of the Father. Now go back to Isaiah 53, verse 10. Yet it pleased the Father to bruise him. It made God happy to do that. It made God happy to take what you've done and put it on Jesus. It made God happy to take your disease, your sicknesses, and put it on the body of Jesus, an innocent man. It pleased the Father that Jesus pay the punishment, the correction, whatever it needed to do to, for you to have safety, for you to have security with God. He was happy to do that. He was happy to see his innocent son suffer for it. His own son. I've got three sons. I can't imagine. I can't imagine letting that happen to one of my children. But it made God happy to do so. Why? Why would you do that to your own child? Because he had a whole bunch of other children he wanted to save. He had a whole bunch of other children he wanted to save. And one of those was you. One of those children were you. If you don't think he knows what's in you, if you don't think he knows what you've been involved in, if you don't think he knows how much sin you have and what you've gotten yourself into, and he was pleased to do it to his only begotten son so he could come and get you. It says, for it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. And this next part, when he shall make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. There's the resurrection. He shall see the travail of that innocent man's soul, and he shall be satisfied. He was satisfied with what his innocent son did for you. That's the gospel. And that's where you put your faith. That's what you put your trust in. That's what you hang on to when it doesn't look like any of this other stuff has been taken care of. It was taken care of on the cross. And all you have to do is hang on to he was satisfied with it. There is nothing more you can do to please God. Jesus pleased him for you. And you say to me, now how do you do that? Turn with me to Romans 4. We have a great example. We have Abraham. Chapter 4, verse 16. We're going to look at Abraham because Abraham, this lovely section of scriptures, will tell you exactly how to believe God. Exactly. Oh, and God opened this up to me. The light went on. This is how we do it. Why did I never see this before? Because God hadn't opened it up to us before. All right, if you will go with me to verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith. 
And we know Romans 10 says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing the gospel, which you just heard. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. You didn't deserve it. You weren't even looking for it, but God did it anyway. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is also is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee. This is what God said to Abraham. I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. That's our God, folks. He can make something out of nothing. Who against hope believed in hope. Who against hope. I love how Hebrews says, he was as good as dead. That's Abraham. Against hope. He believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations, not just the Israelites. Many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. That was the promise of the father. In your seed, the whole earth is going to be blessed. You know what that seed was? It wasn't Isaac. God was talking about Jesus, who came out of Isaac. It says in Hebrews, and that seed is Christ. He was talking about Jesus. Do you realize right here that God preached the gospel to Abraham? So what did Abraham have to believe? The gospel. What did Abraham have to believe? The gospel. Let's go on. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, here it is, he considered not his own body. He considered not his own body. He didn't look at it. He did not deny it. As good as dead. He wouldn't consider it. What did he consider? Considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Not only is his body dead, but the wife's dead too. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. How? Being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. You know what Abraham knew? The word of God cannot be broken. So shall thy seed be. But it's getting worse. So shall thy seed be. The word of God cannot be broken. That's where his faith went. It went in what God said and not what he saw, not what he felt, not what Sarah was saying. He put his confidence, his trust, hang on to the words, so shall thy seed be. Even when it was getting worse, the word of God cannot be broken. And what did he get? He got Isaac. It came to manifestation. Now, I want to give you a perfect testimony that God walked me through. Some of you have heard it. When I started walking with God, he put me in a grocery store to be a sign maker. The only way I could work was people would have to have signs hand-painted with markers. This is back before printers. You had to do it all by hand. And as many signs as I had was as many hours as I worked. And if I didn't have very many signs, I didn't work very many hours, and I didn't get a lot of money. Now, I'm in this job to make some money because I've got some babies to feed. I've got some bills to pay. 
God sticks me in this job. I remember listening to Doyle, 2 Corinthians 9. Jesus became poor that we might be rich. And I needed to be rich. I needed some money. I went to the grocery store that day and I thought, today is the day I'm going to believe God. Today is the day this is going to work. It's got to work because it hasn't worked that well yet. But I'm determined I'm going to believe God for some money today. I'm going to believe God there's a bunch of signs here today. Because if there's a bunch of signs, then I get to work a long time. And if I get to work a long time, I get paid more. So I walk in the store and I'm saying to myself, Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again. He took my poverty on his body. So I am rich. I'm saying this to myself. And I go upstairs. They had an upstairs room, large room, and that's where I made the signs. I had my own little corner. I had all my equipment. I had my signs, and I had my ink, and you know, I had all the stuff that I needed to make signs. The only thing I needed was orders. So I take my little clipboard. I had it all designed on how to do this, and I went downstairs, and I know God's going to give me a bunch of signs. Oh, I'm going to get busy today. Why? Because Jesus died for me. He was buried for me. He rose again for me, and he gave me prosperity. So I go down to the first department. There were, I think, 13 departments, and that's the deli department. And I go down and say, got any signs for me today? No signs. Really? We don't have any signs. We're cool. Okay? And I start walking to the other department. I'm not walking quiet. That's why this testimony is so good, because you're going to hear me talk it out. I don't care what they just said. Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again so that I might be rich. I go to the meat department, and I go up there, and I said, hey, you got any signs for me today? And the guy looked, and he goes, well, he goes, I got one you can make. One? All right, give it here. And I get it. You got to understand, for me to have a good day, a good day is 100 signs. So I go, okay going to go walk to the next department. And I'm talking to myself. I am ministering to my own heart. Doesn't matter what I see. Doesn't matter what people are telling me. Jesus died. He was buried. And he rose again. And he took my poverty on his body so I might be rich. I am talking to myself going down the aisles. I know I got a couple looks. Because I'm doing it like I usually do. Bent over, you know, the fingers going. And they're looking at me like, what is her problem? Her problem is she needs some money. I stopped by the uh, produce department. Now, the produce department had the most signs of any of the departments. Because they went all around the top of where the ceiling was. Bunch of big signs. They were about two by three. And then every produce table had, they were about eight by 15 signs all the way around the tables. I mean, we're talking a whole lot of signs. And then you got those smaller signs about postcard size. And, you know, they go on the different displays. When you get paid to do signs, this is the one you want to do. The manager of the produce department did not like me at all. I try to be as nice as I can because, you know, I know he doesn't like me. And I go up there and it says, oh, lovely day, isn't it? You got any signs you'd like me to do? He looked at me and he said, no. I've told you before, I do my own signs. I don't want you touching my signs. I don't need you. I went to all 13 departments. You know how many signs they wanted? 
seven. Seven. Oh, I remember looking at that clipboard, seven signs. And you know what I said to myself looking at that clipboard? I'm not going to look at this. I'm not going to consider this. I'm not going to consider what I see because it doesn't look good. And as I'm going up the stairs, I am talking to myself. I am ministering to myself. And I'm saying to myself, I don't care what I see. I don't care what is happening here. I am not going to look at this. I'm going to look that Jesus died for me. I had a picture of Jesus on the cross in my head. There's where he is paying for my poverty. And I went upstairs and I put my clipboard on the table and I got out my equipment, my ink, and I started making the seven signs. Saying to myself the whole time, Jesus died. He took my poverty. He was buried. God raised him from the dead. I am no longer in poverty. I'm saying this while I'm doing seven little signs. It took me about five minutes at the most. Toward the end, I think I was on the last or the second to the last sign. There's a call on the intercom. Kathy, would you come down to produce? I knew that voice. That was the manager of the store, Bruce. Bruce was about my height. We called him Napoleon because he knew how to run that place. He was good. So I grabbed my clipboard because I always carried my clipboard, and I went down to produce. And as I'm walking up on produce, there's the produce manager, and his face is beet red. Beet red. And the manager's face was not happy at all. So I walk up very quietly. I said, well, hello, Bruce. How you doing? And he didn't even answer me. And he goes, you see all these signs? Yes, sir. I want you to redo every one of these signs. You see those signs around the tables? Yes, sir. I want you to redo every one of those signs. You see the little ones in a display? Yes, sir. I want you to do every one of those signs today. You got it? Yes, sir. And he goes, and so-and-so isn't going to make one more sign for this section. You got me? And he said, yes, sir. Do you see what happened? Do you see what happened? God stepped in. I didn't have the feeling. I was just keeping my heart on the gospel. I didn't feel any great faith. Things were going to change. I just kept my heart on the gospel. I was there for hours. Hours replacing those signs. God proved to me that day this gospel works. Now, you can't have that until you get Jesus in your heart. The man that pleased the Father concerning you wants to live inside you, wants to lead you, wants to bring you into being a child of God. And it's easy for you to get there. It really is. But it takes humility. And it takes a sincere heart. Just say after me, Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Lead me. Guide me. Fix me. And he will make you a child of the king. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. 
She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.